how good it is when we live together in unity. We can echo the words of Psalm 133, but let me reread a portion that connects with that in the life of the early church. Read it again from Acts chapter 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to one another who had need. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let's think about this. You may be seated. Do you remember two weeks ago? It was Pentecost, the day we often call the birthday of the Christian church. It was the day having completed his ministry, Jesus on earth, and fulfilling the promise to send the Holy Spirit. Fifty days after Easter, Jesus sent. He made good on his promise. He sent the Holy Spirit. And the church, it was formed. It began. And with that, we began a journey, you and I, and will continue throughout the summer of looking at the book of Acts. Remember the full title? The Acts of the Apostles, which I suppose could also be termed as the Acts of the Holy Spirit, because Jesus, having returned to heaven, put the church together by the power of the Holy Spirit. And what we heard this morning in the reading that I just repeated, and also in chapter 4, was how the Holy Spirit began to work as that life together began for them. You know, it's the beginning of what later in the book of Acts describes what was happening as those believers turning the world upside down. Great phrase, but an even greater reality, turning the world upside down by the power of the Spirit. The focal point today is on the heels of Pentecost from Acts chapter 2, and we focus on how the Holy Spirit brought people together for the mission that Christ had given them, and the very same mission you and I share together. It's exactly what Jesus was praying for, as we heard a little snippet of the high priestly prayer that he offered. John chapter 17. By the way, do you realize that this prayer is the only prayer we know that Jesus prayed? The very words that he uttered to God, his Father. Well, we've got the Lord's Prayer. That's how he taught us to pray. But this was the prayer of Jesus himself. As he prayed to the Father, reflecting that they were one, he prayed the same thing for those who would follow him in faith. And it's true what Jesus prayed, unity, community, two things. It is a given. God gives us that in a moment we'll see, but it's also a goal, a given and a goal. We have been made one in Jesus Christ. Jesus' mission was to bring us back to God. That's one way to put it. It's an important way. And it's not just one that we make up. It's one that Peter wrote about 
for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you back to God. To bring us back to God. You see, because the problem was, from the very beginning, shortly thereafter, people separated from God. And not just even then Adam, but ever since, we have lived apart from God. And so God so loved the world that he sent his only son to bring us back to him. For Jesus to close the gap that sin had created. And he did that through his life, through his teaching, and ultimately, specifically, through his suffering and through his death. And God accepted it. He raised Jesus from the dead and said, yes, the gap has been closed. You, Jesus, have brought your, my people back to me. That's to be one with God. And actually, you see, it's really logical. It's just plain logic. Think of this. You as a believer are joined to God through Jesus Christ. Each one of us joined to God through Jesus. What does that mean? Not only a connection there, but there's a connection among us. That we are one with God, but also one with each other. You, you get the logic? And it's not just a human logic. It was exemplified by St. Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 when he wrote, and he said, you are the body of Christ. The two come together. Individually, we're members of the one body. Separate yet together. Working together under the headship of Jesus for his purposes on his mission. That's the reality that makes you and me and all Christians one in Jesus Christ. That's what Paul wrote in Galatians. We are all one in Christ. It's a given. That's the way it is. And this is the very beginning of the Christian faith, the Christian life. But there's more. Because we got a problem. And actually, it's a pretty big problem, even having been brought back to God in Jesus. We fail to remember this. We fail to recognize the reality into which we've been brought in unity with Christ and each other. Or we don't like it. We don't like it too many times. Pentecost, catch this, there's a connection between Pentecost and the Old Testament Tower of Babel. Genesis chapter 11, remember? People were united, and they were united in purpose, but their purpose was to assault heaven with that big tower and to get themselves on an equal plane with God. God responded, and he divided them through language because their purpose wasn't his. But on Pentecost, God reversed it all. He let his followers, his disciples turned apostles, sent to speak in all sorts of languages. And through those various languages, brought them together in faith in Jesus Christ. So much so that 3,000 of them were baptized on that day. It is an important event. And with that Pentecost comes something which is a problem for us. A little bit of Babel still hanging on. 
And part of it is, quite frankly, our culture, even our immediate culture. This is a great place to live in the United States of America. But at the same time, there's a quality that sometimes leads us toward, if not down, a wrong path. And that is our focus on independence, where we get in our minds that we stand alone, that it's me and God translated into our faith, that I can go about my own business and not, you ought not to bother with me. I'm my own person. You have to let me do my own thing and go my own way. That separatist movement without the unity, even in our country. But the balance sometimes gets out of whack in our faith, too. Talking about an individual relationship with God and ignoring or not thinking or acting with the unity that God also gives. That's why even in his favorite letter, probably, to the Christians in Philippi, St. Paul wrote these words, Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. He reflected what Jesus prayed, which you heard, and I've mentioned again, in his high priestly prayer, John 17. I've seen examples positive and negative about this in the church, and so have you. My in-laws were missionaries to Nigeria years ago. They labored side by side with other Christians to bring Jesus to people, even other Lutherans. But you know what? On the field and even when they got back together and they shared time and recollections, the other Lutherans wouldn't even say grace, not even come Lord Jesus with others on that occasion. It's sad where things were out of balance. It reminds me, though, positively of something that I had a chance and our congregation in Pennsylvania had a chance to experience, and that was the prayer for Christian unity. It's a week I don't hear much about anymore that's set aside, and Christians are urged to come together and to pray, to pray for the unity, recognizing that we are one, but praying that that unity be realized, realized even more and more. A unity that is part of community. There are so many divisions even among us. And I don't just mean here, and I don't know that there is much of that at all. But according to one source anyway, and I haven't been able to check this out through multiple sources, there are some 20,000 different Christian denominations in our country. 20,000. I don't know about that number, but I know there are very many. And this source said there are 45,000 throughout the world. All Christians, but divided organizationally and otherwise. And I guess there's many reasons for that, and a couple of them really go together, history and geography. As the church grew and went to many places uh, throughout the world, the geography separated them. And they, they lost the sense many times, not always, but many times their sense of unity, their unity in Christ and their unity in purpose. Perhaps as a ruler of the country, just simply pronounced everyone under his rule to be Christian. 
It happened here, it happened there. And we began to see each other as distinct and different and lost that togetherness. And even then through organizational structure, you know, separating ourselves, whether it's through bishops or presidents or whether it's through the kinds of superintendents that various churches have or even just congregation or independent types of churches. Again, stressing something that lacks part of what God has made us. And then, yeah, can't forget difference in teaching, in doctrine. Somewhat inevitable from human beings, not completely on board with God. Understanding some thrown away the Bible and said that isn't all necessary or parts of it. Like Thomas Jefferson cut out parts he didn't like. If you ever see his Bible, it's, it's, it's amazing to see. Or again, focus more on tradition and cultural influence. A lot of ways the differences have come and persist to this day. But there's a remedy for this. There's good news by the power of the Holy Spirit for these things. And it started out in what I just read and what you heard a few moments earlier in Acts chapter 2. They devoted themselves to, we'll get to that. They devoted themselves. Love that word, devoted. That means we're all in. That means we're going to go all out. To be devoted is a wholehearted commitment for us to Jesus. For us to God through Jesus who connects us to our Heavenly Father. The Christian faith, you see, is not just a hobby. It's not just something to do from time to time or to uh, come together once a week uh, to do or celebrate. It's not just a pastime interest for us as God's people. Devoted to our Lord is to be committed. It is a priority. It is an all-encompassing passion to live the life that God has called us to. The truth shown in how we live every day, every moment. And it can be that way. It really can. The remedy, our text points out, they were looking to the apostles' doctrine, the apostles' teaching. Think about this. Jesus taught his disciples for about three years. He not only taught in public and explained in public, but he often took his disciples aside and he told them more. And after his resurrection, he spent 40 days with them, teaching them more and more, the Bible tells us, so that they became, in Jesus' absence, the go-to people to understand Jesus and to unpack this faith and what Jesus did. Even St. Paul, who was called directly by Jesus on that road to Damascus, came face to face with him. And then he spent while blind with Ananias as he learned what Jesus taught, what the apostles also passed on. And you and I, well, Jesus isn't here physically. The apostles have come and they have gone, but we have their word. God moved them to write the witness of Jesus in the world. And you see, Jesus is the foundation, always, to be sure. 
but the apostles had a close connection to him. And so they were the next layer of authority. And for us, it's what they've written, what the Holy Spirit moved them to write, that threefold types of authority, Jesus, the apostles' teaching, recorded in the scriptures, the New Testament. That's how unity can be and grow and thrive along with fellowship, Acts 2 tells us. They got together, and not just over coffee and donuts, you know, a, a social kind of thing, although, although it included that. It was a part of the dynamic, but to talk and to share life, successes, failures, difficulties, blessings, which translated and extended into the breaking of bread. You know, breaking of bread. In the Bible's terms, that's sitting down and eating meals together. And in Bible days, you did that, but you did it only with people with whom you were one. People whom you loved, people you cared about, people you found a unity with, the breaking of bread. And certainly among Christians, it was true as that oneness was demonstrated. And, and also, you've, have you heard that phrase, breaking of bread, refer to something else? Namely, holy communion, where we come together unified in Jesus Christ. The reality is celebrated and the means of growing in that unity distributed in the one body of Jesus Christ and in his blood, that he lives in us, connecting God to us and connecting us to each other to intensify that union as we grow together in him. The apostolic teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. Prayer. That's how unity is expressed. That's how it grows. You've heard the saying, I'm sure. Some consider it trite, but it's true. The family that prays together stays together. It's not scripture, but it, it, it reflects this reality. Our biological families, to be sure, but also the family of faith, beginning here and extending well beyond throughout the world. All are important, all these things, and they can be and need to be a priority to reflect, but to build upon the unity as the Holy Spirit works through these things. We take it seriously, which means we don't just talk about it. We practice it. We realize that unity doesn't mean we're all the same, body of Christ. But we're all together in Jesus. We're all together in one purpose, to make him known, to be part of his mission here on earth. The unity of purpose that I mentioned St. Paul wrote about, make my joy complete, having the same love being one in spirit and purpose. Unity of function is what that's all about. Do you know what resulted? What resulted for the, those Christians right after Pentecost? You heard it. There was awe among them. I'm sure that even a few jaws dropped, amazed and astonished what God was beginning to do among them, even to the point of miracles. They saw things change in only ways that, that only God can change. And those miracles continue to this day. 
Sometimes we miss them. Sometimes we're blind to them. But they happen even among us. And they happen throughout the world. Talk to somebody who lives in other places. They see it. They experience it. And then they helped each other. You know, they talked about sharing the book of Acts. Sharing so that they had things in common and that nobody was in need. That's not setting up a form of government like some people have thought that we ought to be uh, living with communism or socialism. No, no, that's not the point. The point was that God's people come together to help one another. That help extends, but to help one another in their physical needs. That's the result of God's work in the Holy Spirit. And so they praised God and so can we. Enjoy the favor of God. God smiled upon them, and he smiles upon us as we recognize our unity in community and as it grows among us. Enjoying the favor of God and all people. What better response is there to this work to which we are called? And the result, another one, is that they grew in number. They grew in number by the power of the Holy Spirit. Not because of what they did, except to bring Christ to people, but the Holy Spirit was active even as he remains active today. There are many people, not all, but many who are outside the Christian faith, who see a lot of negatives as they look at us Christians and the Christian church. But we live in the power of the Holy Spirit that has created something of a unity in us, a unity to be recognized but realized more and more. Because the world needs Jesus, and there we can come together. Our strong witness is our goal. That's why Jesus prayed the way he did. And that's why St. Paul wrote what I share with you from Ephesians 4. As a prisoner for the Lord, he wrote, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling which you've received. There's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. For his purpose. Amen.